You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who started covering the Chargers over five seasons ago doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. A special thank you to everyone who's checking out the show for the first time today. It's a great one because we have a very random celebrity guest joining the show via voicemail today. Jerry O'Connell, known for some big movies like Stand By Me. Now he's doing Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated series, which has been really big. Decided to call into the voicemail line. So we have a question from him about Michael Thomas that we're going to start the show with today. That was really cool. He's a big Chargers fan. But we're also doing Twitter Tuesday. We have a ton of Twitter questions from you guys. You guys really came through today. Today we're going to be getting into a bunch of different topics, but we'll talk about what Michael Davis has looked like so far. We'll talk about how Derwin James is going to be used in the defense. A ton of kicker questions. Why didn't the Chargers draft a kicker? Should the Chargers be bringing in a new kicker with the struggles of everyone else? Who would they bring in if they did bring somebody in? I have a guy in mind that might be an interesting guy to bring into the fold, but so many Twitter questions and so little time. So David, let's go ahead and get into it. One of the things that's been all over social media the last couple of days has been that Michael Thomas is disgruntled with the New Orleans Saints. And we got tagged this morning by actor Jerry O'Connell, who was wondering if a Michael Thomas, Joe Lombardi connection might bring Michael Thomas to the Bolts. But he actually called into the voicemail line, which you can find at 323-524-7924 to actually put his voice on the show. So let's hear from Jerry O'Connell. Hey, what's up? Jerry O'Connell, first time, long time. How do we feel about Michael Thomas coming over? He's quite familiar with Coach Lombardi. How do we feel about adding Michael Thomas as a weapon? Love the show. Well, that was just super cool. It definitely took me by surprise this morning. I had to kind of rub my eyes, clear out my ears a little bit for that one. I know that Jerry O'Connell was out at FanFest. He's a big-time Chargers fan. And he's going to be doing a little bit of work with the Chargers. But great question, Jerry. I can appreciate that. David, this is a unique situation because Michael Thomas came out on social media and he said, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. So for the backstory, for those who don't know, Michael Thomas was hurt last year. He only played in seven games, hurt his ankle, wanted to get a second opinion and not have to get season-ending surgery. He ended up wanting to rehab it and rest it. That didn't work, so he ended up having to get ankle surgery in June, which has a recovery time of about four months, and the reports are that he could miss the entire first month of the season, and potentially even longer than that. But on the flip side, David, without you know the character concerns, the teammate concerns, without not knowing when he's going to be back, potentially missing four or five games in this upcoming season, it's also a truly great wide receiver, an all-pro wide receiver who has a 149-catch season on his resume the last time we saw him healthy what would you think of the Chargers potentially pursuing Michael Thomas I mean Daniel we talk about 
getting Mike Williams prepared for the Michael Thomas role in this offense, but how about <laughs> Michael Thomas in the Michael Thomas role in this offense? I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, two high-caliber pass catchers with him and Keenan Allen, just that would be not fair. I mean, it would just be unbelievable because these guys, their uncanny ability to get open, their great route running, you know, their physicality and their competitiveness, I mean, that's what separates these guys from the rest of the NFL. I mean, they're just phenomenal athletes and great wide receivers. And, you know, the first, the next question is, can the Chargers make it work financially? And I think if you look at this contract, you'll be a little surprised. But Michael Thomas and the Saints have done some restructures. So his base salary this season is actually only a little over a million dollars. So, I mean, they can definitely make it happen. I mean, as far as compensation, I'm sure it's going to be a first-round pick plus. But the money, they can definitely make the money work. I mean, the contract balloons up to 15-plus million the next couple of seasons. But, Daniel, the Chargers are going to have a lot of cap space next year. I mean, probably upwards of $50 million. So, could they make it happen financially? Absolutely. But what would the compensation look like? I think that's the ultimate question. Yeah, what is the price tag? Are they actually willing to trade him even though he's out there saying these things? New Orleans is in flux. I mean, they're in a really weird spot right now. Drew Brees just retired. They have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill fighting it out for the starting quarterback job. And it does seem maybe not a rebuild, but they're definitely retooling. I mean, it's a much different team than the team that took the field for them in 2020. So it's very interesting. And I think it won't happen, one, because Tom Telesco hasn't pulled off a trade like this, right? And we already saw with the Julio Jones situations early on in the offseason. They didn't pull the trigger on that. They get kind of another shot here to get an A1 receiver. We saw DeAndre Hopkins get traded as well. He still looked good in Arizona. I think it's a move the Chargers should pursue, but especially with Brandon Staley, the relationships and all the things that he holds in very high regards. It's hard to say that they'd want to bring in someone who's having this kind of public riff with the team. So I think it's a very interesting situation. The bottom line is teams make concessions and win championships, right? I mean, look at the Buccaneers last year. We always talk about that. They bring in Gronk, who's retired. They bring in Antonio Brown with some baggage. The Patriots before them, Never afraid to bring somebody in, right? They brought. They in basically Duck. went up to Tom and was like, hey, Tom, what can I get you? Who do you want? And whoever it was, they went and did it. One well, more than that, what I'm saying is you make concessions on character concerns and things like that in the pursuit of a title, right? Because you're yeah. not here to make friends or be the you know, highest character, morally right team. Of course, as fans, you want to be able to feel good about rooting for someone. But even the Patriots, right? They added Antonio Brown with his concerns. They added Josh Gordon. They were doing whatever it takes, and I can respect that. And I don't know if the Chargers really have that in them. But I do think it makes it easier to kind of root for guys that you feel are the good guys. And I think the Chargers have a really good team that way. I mean, I, you don't really ever hear them popping up in the headlines or anything like that. They have a pretty stable team that's not going to show up in a bunch of tabloids. But a great question. I think the Chargers should pursue it. I know some people were kind of down on it, but... The fact of the matter is, add as much talent as you can. Even in a deep wide receiver room, it doesn't matter. None of those guys are Michael Thomas, right? So, Well, and if you're Michael Thomas, of course you want to come play with Justin Herbert. I mean, big, strong-arm quarterback and, and in New Orleans. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Is it going to be Jameis? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? I mean, both those guys are going at it in training camp. And, I mean, no disrespect to those guys, but neither of them are on the level of Justin Herbert and the, the trajectory that he's on in his career. 
And I'm sure he wants to prove to people that he can catch a lot more than just slant passes, right? Like he had been with Drew Brees over the last couple of seasons. But the guy has had 124 catches in a year, 149, literally setting records and is a great receiver that you would try to add, I mean, to if you think you're going for a Super Bowl. So I would definitely be for it. I don't really, outside of the character concerns and stuff like that, which, I mean, that's a he said, she said. I mean, it's just you're getting his side of the story and their side of the story, and that's it. You don't really know what the gray area is there. But we have a bunch more Twitter questions. Thanks, Jerry O'Connell. That was pretty fun. Great yes, question. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> but let's get into some of the other fans here. We have Ghost who writes in, with the league expanding to 17 games, have you heard anything about them expanding the roster beyond 53? If not, should they? And if so, what would be a good number? So from what we've heard, they are rolling over a lot of the things they had last year regarding the roster and practice squad in 2021, and that was expanded. More guys in the practice squad. You got to have two more guys on the game day roster, so up to 55 for me personally, I'm good with 60. I'm good with 65. I know the salary cap and all those things. <laughs> the teams are making money. The TV deals are in. They're not hurting. They could figure it out, raise the salary cap, and raise the amount of players because it is such a brutal sport. Practice squads are unprotected. You can take guys off other teams' practice squads. Move it up to 65 because this is a league of attrition, and then maybe you could treat injuries and things like that more carefully right and take your time a little bit more if you're not so worried about the roster spot and just have to throw a guy on injured reserve so he's going to be out for a while just because you don't have the roster spot to keep him for the three weeks he's going to miss right so I think there's a lot of incentive to definitely raise that number but we have another one here from Senor Snappy who asked did you guys enjoy Rivers Lake what was your favorite part of the stadium complex besides the hot dogs of course so besides the very fairly priced $276 hot dogs, there was a lot to love. Honestly, I didn't even know if it is called Rivers Lake. If it is, that's badass. I love that. I mean, you can definitely have the lake in front of SoFi Stadium. What was your other favorite part, though, David? I had been to SoFi once already. I talked about it a little bit. But besides the stuff you know that he's talking about here, what would you say your favorite part of the new stadium is? Honestly, I think my favorite part was just walking in and, and just uh, that sight line you see when you're right at the end zone and you just see the opening of the entire stadium and you see the the awesome video board that's hanging above. I mean, just that view, that view right there, I think that was probably my favorite part. I mean, just an absolutely beautiful sight line. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, that <laughs> it's hard to argue with the scoreboard not being it, right? The Oculus scoreboard, that's basically an infinity scoreboard. That goes circular around the pretty much the entire inside field part of the stadium. I mean, it's double-sided as well. Now I just dream of being able to play like Fall Guys on it, like the Chargers players got to do. I want to play some video games on that scoreboard for sure because that thing is sick. And it's like one of those Apex things. Apex on that, bro? Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> some Apex Legends on the Oculus scoreboard would be pretty sick. Or for you Warzone people out there, pretty damn cool, I would say. But that thing's amazing, but yeah, just kind of the openness of the stadium, right, To Yeah, getting all those sight lines. Very, very open, very modern, very chic. A lot of things to like about SoFi Stadium. A lot of room just to hang out. A lot of great seats. I mean, they built it so that the front field-level rows were very, very limited, so the rest of the sections of the stadium higher up get a really, really good view. So a lot to like at SoFi. I mean, it's a world-class stadium, to be sure, but... We have way more Twitter questions to get into, so coming up next, 
We'll talk about Michael Davis, Jerry Tillery, how Derwin James is going to be used, and much more. But first, I need to tell you guys about the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball is in full swing right now, guys, but it's not just that. You can bet on NBA, NHL, NFL, and even MMA action at UFC on all those cards on the weekends. I mean, some really, really fun stuff to bet on on all of those sports. But if you guys only like betting on football, don't worry because you can already bet on the Chargers Week 1 matchup against the Washington football team. And there's a bunch of future bets on there as well. I mean, Justin Herbert to win MVP, the Chargers to win the AFC West and the Super Bowl. So many good things to choose from on there at betonline.ag. And you're going to get the best odds that you're going to find. If you guys don't usually bet on sports and you're thinking about getting in on the action, make sure you do it with BetOnline. They'll even give you some free money to play with when you get started. If you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David, what we do have many more Twitter questions to get into. Unfortunately, we don't have any more Hollywood celebrity actors, but we do have a lot of great questions to go on still. So let's keep getting into these Twitter Tuesday questions. Let's get to Alex Keith, who asks, how has Michael Davis looked? He always gets referenced when he gets beat specifically by Keenan, but who doesn't get beat by him? But not much other chatter. Silence may be golden in this situation. So I thought Michael Davis has looked fine. Obviously, he's in a new defense, too. He has that big contract now, so he definitely has some expectations to really you know, live up to now. But the good news for him is he's not really in any danger of a roster spot that he could lose, right? So I think for Michael Davis, we just haven't been able to see enough out of him yet to make a good judgment on that. I mean, we're not at every single training camp. From what has come out, from what I've seen personally, I thought he's looked fine. I've seen him get beat a couple times, but I'm not overly concerned about it at this point. Nothing I would say worries me right now about Michael Davis. Yeah, I'm not concerned with with Michael Davis. I mean, we're not hearing anything crazy. We're not hearing anything about his work ethic. We're we're not hearing anything negative in that regard. He's not getting beat like every single time he goes out there. I think the real barometer is going to be, you know, in preseason, see how many snaps he takes, how he looks there. And then in the regular season, that's where we're really going to see how Michael Davis is doing. But honestly, in his career, Daniel, I think he's been on an upward trajectory. I think early on, we all saw the the physical tools, the size, the height, weight, speed stuff. Uh, just needed to have that uh, other aspect, the mental aspect and turning his damn head around. But I think since he's mastered that, I mean, there's not many other concerns for Michael Davis. I think I'm just excited to see how Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill and this new staff is going to take him to more better heights. Well, I think we think he's going to be getting better coaching too. So, I mean, Ron Miles was a good secondary DB corner coach. So I don't think he had bad coaching before, but I do think he's not taking a drop off there, and I think that Brandon Staley is going to try to use him the best way that he can be used. So I'm not worried about it. I'm excited to watch him, and you're right. He has been on an upward trajectory. You think with this new and improved coaching staff, hopefully that trajectory can continue and he can kind of reach the heights that physically he might be the only one on the Chargers that could reach you know those specific heights. So let's get into the next one here. This from Blue Blitz. Will Jerry Tillery make a damn move? So... It's kind of like Michael Davis because we haven't seen anything, but at least for Michael Davis, we've seen on the field production. We just saw 
maybe his best season that he's had in the pros. The year before that's probably his second best year. With Jerry Tillery, you may have seen some improvements last year, but he still hasn't really made a productive season, had a productive season with the Chargers. I mean, he hasn't had enough sacks to really be considered a threat as an interior rusher. And so far in training camp, I think there's just the lack of buzz. Like you just would hope that you're hearing more about Jerry Tillery making plays at practice, but we're not there at training camp every day. Him holding up against the run is going to be my main concern. Just being able to have him out there all the time and not being a liability in the running game like he has been truthfully over the last couple of seasons. But this is a fun one here, David. This is from Spag Dreddy who asks, as we get closer to Washington, how do you guys envision Staley deploying Derwin James? Will he play a Ramsey-type role or be exclusively part of the two high-safety looks? So this is great timing because we actually saw Derwin James at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, David, in person play the dime linebacker position or the money position for the Chargers and make an interception against Austin Eckler. Justin Herbert would have gotten sacked anyways. It wouldn't have happened. But you saw him going step for step with Austin Eckler on a wheel route down the field. I don't think that he, there's anything stationary about what Derwin James is going to be doing in 2021. No way. No how. Him and Chris Harris Jr. have already been called positionless players, meaning they want to use those guys as chess pieces. They want to get they want to get those guys where the action is going to be, where the ball is going to be. They want to put them in positions to take the ball away, to line them up on your best receiver, your best running back, your best tight end. They're going to be all over the field, and I feel like if you don't use Darwin James that way, you're not getting the most out of his talents because he can impact the game in so so many different ways. You want him rushing on some attempts. You want him back. You want him in the box. You want him everywhere. Honestly, if you could have 11 Darwin Jameses, I'm sure you would definitely want that because this guy is just a freak of nature. He's your ultimate Swiss Army knife that's already cranked up to 11. That's what Derwin James is, and Brandon Staley is going to put him every single place on that football field to try to help this Chargers defense win. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see him in the slot. I think you'll see him playing linebacker. You'll see him deep. I think the real thing is is you're going to see him where Brandon Staley thinks the ball is going to go. So on that specific play, you have Kazir White blitzing, and then you have Derwin James taking care of the running back. And on a third down, you better believe that Austin Eckler is going to be one of the premier targets for the Chargers offense along with Keenan Allen, right? So put Derwin James on him. And in this case, it totally nullified Austin Eckler on that route, took something away that could have been, you know, Kenneth Murray covering him. And then maybe it's something different, right? Maybe it's a different result. But yeah, he's going to be moving everywhere. And you know that Brandon Staley is going to try to keep him around the football a lot like he did with Jalen Ramsey. So very excited to see that. He looks really good so far during training camp at the open practice and at the open practice at SoFi Stadium. So Derwin James, very, very excited about that. Let's get to one more here from David Anderson who asks, not enough people are talking about Justin Herbert's adjustments to a new complicated offense. It might take half a season or more to figure it out. I think duplicating his numbers from last season would be a huge success what do you think what numbers would constitute a good season? So he's saying, hey, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 36 total touchdowns, 4,300 yards about. That would be good with him, David. Are you sharing that sentiment or do you need more from Herbert in 2021 for it to be considered a success in your eyes? 
Yeah, well, not only do I need more, but Brandon Staley needs more, too. He already said point blank that last year was good, but it's not good enough. I mean, they need to see Justin Herbert take it to the next level. And I know you said that everybody's not talking about it, but I've talked about it several times, how it might take a game or two before he gets comfortable, gets in rhythm, and is ready to go out there and execute that offense. I've said that a couple of times. But Justin Herbert's been here before, Daniel. I mean, he's done this three or four times in his career. He's used to the coaching carousel. I mean, them just switching it out and them playing musical chairs. He's used to that. He's a very intelligent player. Obviously, we know the physical gifts. And by all accounts, I mean, everyone's saying that he's picked up the offense well. Now, hey, I'll believe it when I see it. He needs to go out there and and show me. But, I mean, I trust Justin Herbert can go out there and continue to – up his game. I think he has a much better offensive line. He's going to have a, probably a more efficient running game. He's going to have a, a better passing game. So he has all of the element, elements of having a better year this year. Now we just have to go watch him do it. But as far as statistically, I don't think that's good enough for me. I think you probably need to see somewhere in the 36 to 37 passing touchdown area. I would like to see probably 48 4,900 passing yards. I think that is possible for Justin Herbert if everything goes right. I mean, 48, 4,900 passing yards, I feel like is a little bit unrealistic. But I do think 36, 37 touchdowns is attainable. But I think a lot of it has to do with how it looks too, right? I mean, if it's 10 interceptions, but five of them are balls tipped in the air by wide receivers, right? That changes the story. If it's 36 touchdowns total, right, and 31 passing touchdowns, but... The offense is much more balanced. He doesn't have anywhere near the attempts he had passing last year because he didn't have a ton of attempts last year to throw the football. If that number's way down and he's still putting up these numbers, I think there's an argument to be made that, yeah, that is good enough because he's way more efficient this year, right? So I think as long as you're seeing improvements in certain areas and decision-making in how he handles late-game situations and things like that, There is a reality where I could see him having that, which were, I mean, top 10 numbers last year. His numbers were top 10 in the NFL. So, like, if you're getting another top 10 in the NFL season from Justin Herbert, it can only be so much of a disappointment, but I do think it would be considered that in a lot of Chargers fans' eyes. But it just kind of depends how it ends up playing out. But we do have one more segment to get into. We have to talk about the kicker competition and whether the Chargers need to bring in a new body and who we trust the most right now. And much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, if you ever need any kind of auto part, I know it's a very frustrating time. It's a very frustrating process to get it fixed. But getting the part that you need doesn't have to be frustrating because you don't have to go search through chain store fronts to find the part you need. Instead, you guys are going to go to rockauto.com because it's the most convenient place that you're going to find. And it has great prices as well. So whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver, everybody gets the same great price at rockauto.com and I don't even know a lot about cars but I've already gotten three parts from rockauto.com and all I had to do was click the search bar put in the type of car that I have and just a few easy clicks I found the part that I needed I got a great price on it and I got it delivered directly to my house I mean everyone would rather stay and get things delivered to their house if they have the choice so if you guys want to make a very frustrating situation a lot less frustrating if you need a part make sure to go to rockauto.com because they're going to have everything you need. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
All right, now it's time to get into these final Twitter Tuesday questions. I really appreciate everyone who reached out on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. And I know a lot of you responded to the show's page at LockdownLAC. We really appreciate it. Got some really good questions in today. So let's continue it here, and let's get to Nick, who asked us on Twitter, with new strength and conditioning staff this year, are we likely to see an improvement on injury likelihood, frequency, and recovery time, or is that just dependent on who gets injured and the injury type um, on the day? So this is interesting because, I mean, it would be hard to be worse than the Chargers <laughs> have been. Yeah. So, I mean, from that aspect, yeah, you would hope just luck-wise, just by things balancing out, it would have to be better than it has been. But I think it is a lot of those things. It's not just less players getting hurt, right? But it's having much more precise, you know, knowledge of that injury and how to rehab it and getting more accurate timelines so you don't have the Nazir Adderley situation, which kept him out most of his rookie season, the Michael Badgley situation that kept him out about half a season when they thought he might be ready for week one a couple of years ago. The Jerry foot thing. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of different questionable things kind of happened with the previous strength and conditioning staff, and some of that might be the team doctors, right, Tyrod Taylor, and some of it is the performance staff and all of that, but... I do think, yeah, if they're able to get guys back on the field quicker, right, if they're able to more properly kind of treat these guys once they do get injured and you can kind of really expedite the process of getting guys back who are just banged up and getting them as healthy as they can be on game day, I think that's the most important thing. Well, I mean, how about we just have things be diagnosed correctly? I mean, let's yeah. let's start there. I mean, that, I think that that's one of the big, big things I'm looking for is, hey, let's just, you know, clearly identify where this injury is, what it is, what the timeline is, and let's get these guys back. But I think the Chargers are doing a lot of things differently with this new staff. I mean, we know that they've talked a lot, and the players have talked a lot about the activation, you know, them getting really getting stretched out and getting ready and having the trainers there with them and it being kind of a coordinated effort and how that, that hasn't been that way in the past seems like, you know, Keenan Allen said, hey, in the past I had to show up early on my own. I had to go tr- grab a trainer on my own. I had to stretch out by myself. But now it's in- incorporated or ingrained in practice. So I think the Chargers are definitely taking a much different approach. They really want to keep these guys healthy and get them to Sundays to where they play the game and do their job. One, I mean, let's be realistic. You're not going to know even in one season, in one full season. I mean, this is something – where you need a sample size to be able to judge it, right? So Absolutely. Even if it's great and, you know, the Chargers stay as healthy as they had in five years, it's not going to mean the previous staff was just the worst ever, right, necessarily. Now, if it's the healthiest team in the next five seasons, we can look back at it and say, yes, that was the worst sports performance staff in the NFL, maybe in NFL history. But you have to see it happen over a couple of years. We have to really take a little bit to see. We need some data. Yeah, so we just don't really have that at this point. So that'll be interesting to see, but I'm definitely optimistic about it. Even if you're seeing guys getting banged up a little bit right now, I don't think that's indicative, you know, of what the overall effect of that could be. But we do have a question here from Superfan Zach, who also added in a voicemail, but it's Twitter Tuesday. So unless you're Jerry O'Connell, it's getting read from me today, not in your own voice. No, I'm just kidding, Zach. (laughs) But the question is, With Fred Warner and Darius Leonard getting massive extensions, I added massive because they were, what do Tranquil and Murray have to do to get on their level? So for me, David, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's being well-rounded, and I think that's 
the one thing you don't really know right now from Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. I mean, Drew Tranquil has potential to potentially do that because he is good in coverage. He can be, and he was actually pretty good against the run his rookie season when we got to see him play. Right now, Kenneth Murray is negative in the coverage game, I would say. But getting downhill, you know, attacking the football, tackling all things that are huge strengths. You have to do it all. I mean, listen to this. This is the numbers they're living up to. In three years, Darius Leonard has seven interceptions, nine forced fumbles, 15 sacks, 22 passes broken up, and 26 tackles for loss. That's how you get a contract that looks like that, right? Even Fred Warner who's barely less than Darius Leonard at this point in his three years, three interceptions, 21 passes broken up, you know, consistency there in coverage, four sacks, 15 tackles for loss, 367 tackles. And we've seen Kenneth Murray get a hundred tackles, one sack, three passes broken up, five tackles for loss, but he doesn't have that overall complete game. So I think that's going to be the hardest thing for them. David, to get to a contract that looks like some of the inside linebackers we just recently saw sign. Yeah, I agree. But also I think they're actually in a defense now with Brandon Staley and his concepts to where they can actually achieve that and they can showcase that versatility and they can show that they can do all those things. I think in the previous uh, cover three scheme, they could never have done that just because they would not have been used to the best of their abilities. I believe in this new defense, they are going to have more opportunities to get after the quarterback, to run, get downhill, to run sideline to sideline, to cover at their level, meaning you know in that short and intermediate part of the field and allow the deep stuff to be taken care of by the DBs and the safeties. I think this defense is going to set them up to be able to, to do those things to get paid because they're going to be able to cover at their level. They're going to be have to be able to get after the quarterback and get some sacks on, on their name, and they're going to be able to get those tackles. So they have to stay on the field and stay healthy, and like you said, they have to stay consistent. If they do that for multiple seasons, then, hey, they might be signing a big contract too. And they'll be signing a big contract with another team because there's no way the Chargers are keeping <laughs> both those guys if they achieve those numbers. But – I don't think it's a bad thing to say that neither one of these guys are neither one of Fred Warner and Darius Leonard, and that doesn't mean they can't be good linebackers, right? I mean, there is a certain level of just overall talent that Darius Leonard and Fred Warner have shown that you don't necessarily know if Drew Tranquil or Kenneth Murray will ever get to. We just don't know if their game will develop in that way. Could Brandon Staley give them the platform to do it? Yes, but going back to your point about the Gus Bradley defense, it definitely didn't slow down Bobby Wagner, who is maybe one of the best linebackers of all time. So yep. there's ways to be productive that we haven't seen from them. They have a long ways to go to get that kind of money, but that's a damn lot of money to play an inside linebacker. A good problem to have if you're a team like the Colts or the 49ers just to have those players on the roster. But I think it's being more well-rounded, producing in different areas of the game is how you get that kind of paycheck and it's not easy to do there's very very little linebackers in the nfl that can do what they're doing so let's get to our last couple of questions here a lot of kicker questions which after the day we saw at sofi stadium and the uh lack of kicking performance i would say we saw michael badger getting booed out of the stadium alex kessman getting booed none of them making all of their field goals it was brutal david so i get the questions here let's start with bolt up 2000 who says Love the show, by the way. Here's my question. If for the remainder of the preseason, Badgley, Viscano, and Kessman miss the same amount of kicks, who do you trust to be the kicker? Think that's an easy answer, David? No one. 
No one. Exactly. <laughs> I don't trust any of them. They haven't done anything. And like I said, if they all miss the same amount, I mean, you got to cut all of them. I mean, that's what I said before the show. I mean, Brandon Staley, obviously he understands what's going on. He sees it. And, you know, we'll have to let preseason play itself out. But right now, I don't think you can trust any of these guys. Yeah. I mean, if it stayed like this, but like if they all miss the same amount, if they all each miss one the rest of the preseason, then maybe it's a different discussion, right? Because then yeah. they could be banging through a lot of field goals at that point. So it's very interesting. I, yeah, you couldn't trust them, though, if they're missing at the same rate that they currently are because the best kicker at SoFi Stadium kicked 67%, and that's around what Michael Bashley did last year, which was pretty awful. So you don't want to see that. We have a couple more questions. Kicker questions. This one's from Walnut Creek 4. Why didn't we draft Evan McPherson? Evan McPherson is a Florida Gators kicker that ended up getting drafted in the fifth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Trust me, I was looking at some college kickers. I mean, I was checking it out for sure. I mean, he was a 85% career field goal kicker at Florida. Did come off of his worst season where he hit about 75%, but had delayed to kick a 55-yarder for his long in college and it's a hard field goal setup in college with how the hashes are set up and everything. I would be okay with the Chargers deciding to spend draft capital on a kicker, but you better hope it works out because that's not how it always works out. I mean, it doesn't always translate. Ask Roberto Aguayo, who's one of the best college kickers of all time. So you can spend it was on a kicker. In the second round. I mean, that was just absolutely insane. He's still <laughs> out there if anyone wants him. Which leads me to my next question from Donkey Five, who asked. Should the Chargers bring another kicker to camp? So we know there's three. Should they add a fourth into it? So, David, I'm going to put a name out there for you. I'm going to see what you think. Steven Goskowski. So okay, everyone, if they watched Steven Goskowski last year, probably thinks I'm crazy for that. But even though he's coming off of his worst season, he's definitely worth a tryout because not only has the guy been a very consistent kicker in a long time for the Patriots, but he also has a lot of postseason experience too, right? Experience making pressured kicks. And last year, this is a great stat I got from CBS Sports. Although Goskowski finished with the second worst field goal percentage in 2020, 69.2%, he hit 90% of his field goals and 100% of his extra points over the second half of the season. That's a good sign. And not only did he close his first year with the Titans by hitting 42 consecutive extra points, but he also hit six straight field goals to end the year and went seven of eight, David, from 50 yards or more. I like the sound of that. I mean, if this competition continues on the way it's been going in a couple of weeks, they're going to have to. And I'm sure Koskowski is going to be on that short list. I mean, there's not that many kickers in the NFL. I mean, it's a pretty uh, coveted job. There's only 32 of them. So there's only a couple of guys that are out there that are competent that they could sign to bring in. And Goskowski, like you said, has a track record of success in the regular season and in the playoffs. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than the three guys they currently have right now. Yeah, and I mean, last year he was really terrible. And I know a lot of people wanted Vrabel to get rid of him, even kicking as good as he did. A 69.2% isn't good enough. So it would be, hey, get him in there as soon as possible. But he also has a long track record, right? I mean, even Michael Badgley really has one plus season above average season that's the only guy on the chargers roster who has done that goskowski has a lot of those seasons right i mean he did hit 69.2 percent in 2020 but the nine years before that 
He never had lower than an 82.9. So he's been a very consistent kicker. Consistency is key for the Chargers, who had a lot of not very long field goals last year to make differences in games and could not hit them. He was bad last year. At this point with the Chargers kicking situation, I'd be kicking the tires, no pun intended, on Steven Goskowski because experience is there. Consistency has been there in the past. I'm more than willing to try that out for sure. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Make sure you guys come back tomorrow, though, because we have Daniel Popper from The Athletic coming on the show to recap training camp with us. He's going to tell us the guys who stood out to him. We'll talk to him about Justin Herbert, talk to him about the rookies and Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuel Jr. So much to talk about with Popper. It's going to be great. So make sure you guys don't miss it by following or subscribing wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the new Odyssey app, or wherever you get your your podcast from, you can find the Locked on Chargers podcast there. And if you can on your service, make sure to rate and review as well. We'd appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. You can find the show on Twitter at LockdownLAC. We post all of the episodes to all of our social media, so you guys can make sure to find those there too, as well as on our Instagram page at LockedOnChargers and also our LockedOnChargers Facebook page. If you guys want to be cool like Jerry O'Connell, right, and then call into the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line, I'm still shocked that happened, by the way, you can call in at 323 323- 524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But make sure you guys check back in tomorrow as Daniel Popper recaps training camp with us so far. But that's going to do it for us today. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.